God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you. O Lord, open our hearts to what you'd have us to grasp today. In your name, amen. As I said, this is a familiar text. You've heard it, and you probably said, oh, well, I know what to expect. Ho-hum, another story about the Good Samaritan. Well, there's more to that story, perhaps, than we put into perspective sometimes. If you read Portals of Prayer this morning, Portals of Prayer evidently knew what I was going to preach about because it talked about what I'm going to preach about. And it had a good point, the point that I wanted to share with you today. You see, this is one of the most uh, referred to parables in Christendom, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We have Good Samaritan laws named after this Samaritan. Good Samaritan law means you can help somebody along the road if you come across an accident or something and not get in trouble if you, even if you don't do it correctly. So the Good Samaritan is help somebody in need. And too often we think the Good Samaritan is us. Not so. Not so the case so much. Let's look deeper into this parable for a minute. And What is Jesus really teaching us today in the church? The real major question here is not the Good Samaritan who is my neighbor, but the real question that starts out with the text is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question the lawyer asks. How do I get eternal life? He's trying to trap Jesus, okay? It's a setup. You know, he's trying to, you know, play games with Jesus. But Jesus rises to the occasion it's kind of like the lady in East Texas. She was driving along a little country road and she came to a stop sign and a car stalled. It's a major intersection. The cars are going by in a hurry. And she couldn't get the car started. She tried. Big pickup comes behind with a big Texan guy in there with his big Texas hat and all. And he comes behind her and he starts blowing the horn. Honk, honk, honk. She tried again. Her car wouldn't start. Honk, honk, honk goes the pickup. So she gets out of the car slowly. She walks back to where the pickup is, so the man is, and she motions him, roll down the window, because he's sitting in his air-conditioned cab. And she says to the man, hey, I'll make a deal with you. If you'll just go into my car and see if you can get it started, I'll be happy to sit in your pickup and blow your horn. <laughs> you see, she rose to the occasion handle the situation. This is what Jesus does in this parable. He rises to the occasion to handle the situation. He does not answer the question specifically. When the lawyer says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, well, what does the law say? Well, he knew that. He knows his scripture, and so he quotes Deuteronomy just like he should. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, go do it. Well, then he wants to continue the little dialogue, trying to still, you know, get out of this mess he got himself into. So he asks, who's my neighbor? Jesus doesn't answer the question again either. He's like the lady in East Texas. He says, hey, I'll tell you a story. So he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Interesting. But let me ask you the question. According to this text of the Deuteronomy, are you going to inherit eternal life? 
Do you love God above all things? Did you love God above all things this week? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Make every instance to help anybody that needed help? I don't know if you did or not, but I don't think I did. Therefore, I guess I'm not going to inherit eternal life, huh? Can't get it. Didn't do the job. Didn't love God above all things. Didn't love my neighbors myself. So what, what, what's, what goes on here? Why'd you even bother to come here today if you can't inherit eternal life? Good question. It's a good question. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And who's my neighbor? Well, let's look at the parable a little bit more in detail. In the parable, there's a priest and a Levite and the Samaritan. Now, the priest and the Levite come by and they see this man who's been beaten, laid, laying half dead, maybe they think he's dead, laying in the road, bleeding, been robbed, beaten up. And the priest goes around him, the Levite goes around him, the Samaritan stops and helps him. Now remember, it's just a story, it's a parable to illustrate a point. But keep in mind, when Jesus uses the Levite and the, and the priest, you see, don't get too harsh on that, because if you touch a dead body, you're unclean. And if you're unclean, you've got to go through a lot of ceremony and ritual to get clean again. And they're, you know, they're, they're servants in the church. They, got, they, can't be, they can't get unclean. They've got, they got to serve in the temple, so they probably don't want to touch him because they think he might be dead or dying. So they don't want to become unclean, so they just go around him. Can't touch a dead body, according to Jewish law. You have to go through purification if you do. But the most unlikely person comes along, a Samaritan. You've got to know who they are. They live in the country north of Israel, and they're not liked. They're considered to be half-breeds because they're intermarried with the Assyrians. They're not pure Jews. And so therefore, Samaritans, they don't count. But this Samaritan comes along, and, he's, and the text says he has compassion. That word is a deep word for a deep feeling. He feels for this guy laying there in the road, half dead, bloody, beaten up. What's he do? He bandages him up a little bit, puts him on his animal, it says, and takes him to an inn. And he pays for his room. He treats his wounds cleans him up. Before he leaves the next day, he gives the innkeeper some more money and says, here's some more money to take care of him, and if you have to spend more, I'll pay you next time I come by. Such compassion. And then Jesus asked this lawyer, okay, who is the neighbor? Who showed love? Well, the lawyer has to answer, the one who had mercy. Aha. One who had mercy. Now, there's a hidden meaning in this parable. Who's the bloody person on the road? It's you and me. We're the bloody, beaten-up people who've been beaten up by the sins of the world and by the devil and living our lives out there in this wicked, evil world and falling into sin. We're the bloody person who needs to be rescued. Who's the Good Samaritan? The ultimate good Samaritan is Jesus. 
who has compassion on us laying there in the road, beaten and bloody. Jesus cares for you. And the point that Jesus is getting across here is who really cares for who? The lawyer answers correctly, the one who shows mercy. But who shows, really shows mercy? Jesus, to you and me, the ones beaten and in the road. He's the one with compassion. Jesus has compassion on you and me. He comes to us and he binds our wounds. He cares for us. He cares for you and me. He paid the price. The Samaritan paid the price for the inn for a couple days. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you to get into his kingdom. Provided a mansion for you in heaven, it says, a room for you. As I mentioned to you, our youth are in Minneapolis this weekend, 22,000 of them. And the theme is a beautiful theme, real, present God, based on Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and strength, our real help in need. All of the gathering time they get together for their mass gatherings, it's about real God, a present God, who really cares about us and loves us and reaches out to us. The evening sessions have been wonderful. You can watch it if you want to watch it on your computer, your iPhone, going to this youth uh, webpage and checking out and following the instructions. They're on tonight at 6.30, tomorrow morning at 9.30 for the closing session. Sessions close tomorrow at noon, but then they're 6.30 tonight and 9.30 or 7.30 tomorrow morning, our time, because it's two hours behind Minneapolis time. But the real present God is who God is. And why do we love God? Because he first loved us, because he had compassion on us. We love our neighbor because we've been in the ditch too, and someone loved us, namely Jesus. Maybe you're still in the ditch. Maybe you feel beaten. But we have a God you can go to, a real present God. And notice what Jesus says to the lawyer. After the lawyer says, well, the one who had compassion, and Jesus says, what? Go and do what? Likewise. Go out there and show compassion to those around us. The ones you come upon that need your compassion. Show the love of Christ to your neighbor. We do so because God did it for us. God is gracious to us. He gets us out of the ditch. He got me out of the ditch of my sin. He gets you out of the ditch of your sin and the oppression of the devil. But the world takes a different kind of look on all this stuff. The world looks at it differently. Like some people have this expression, only bad people fall into the pit. So let them stay there. A mathematician might calculate how he fell into the ditch. A news reporter might want a story. What's all this story about? What can I tell? An IRS agent might want to know if he's paying taxes. A self-pitying person might say, you haven't seen anything until you see my pit. An optimist 
will say, hey, things could get worse. A pessimist says, they will get worse. Jesus comes and takes us by the hand and lifts us out of the pit, out of the ditch. Now, people who have a love for their friends, eh, that's nice, right? The world smiles. If you have love for the less fortunate, people say, that's a beautiful thing that you reach out to the less fortunate. If you have love for the unlovely, they say, ooh, what compassion you have. You're a nice person. But what about love for the more fortunate than you? me. For those that have more money than you, a better car, a better house. About love for them? What about love for your enemy? For those who hate you? For those who torment you? For those who mock you? You love them? How about love for the torturer? The one who tortures you? Many people are being tortured right now as we speak in the world. Torture is going on in over 50 countries. People are being persecuted for their faith or trusting in Jesus. But you see, it's Jesus' love. He loved the torturers, those who nailed him to the cross, those who whipped him, spit on him, put a crown of thorns on him. He said, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing. He loved them. He loves you. He loves me in the midst of our sin. To get this in perspective, Kenneth Bailey wrote an illustration. He said, maybe because we don't use priests and Levites and Good Samaritans, let me tell it in a different way. He says, suppose the Good Samaritan is like a Plains Indian in 1575. He walks into Dodge City with a scalped cowboy on his horse. He checks in for a room above the saloon and takes care of him, bathes him, heals him, puts bandages on him, pays for his room, cares for him. Any Indian so brave would be fortunate to get out of Dodge alive, even if he saved the cowboy's life. But that's what Jesus did. He came into this world to save us. And he didn't get out alive. They killed him. They nailed him to a cross. And on the cross, he died and shed his blood for you and me that we might have forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. Now let's go back to that original question that the lawyer asked. How do you inherit eternal life? If you haven't loved God above all things and you haven't loved your neighbor as yourself, what's your solution? Well, let's take the NYG theme for a minute. Real, present God. God is real and he is present. He's real because he cares about us and came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus became my substitute. He loves God above things, and he loves the neighbor, my neighbor, as himself. And I can 
take that and apply it to me. Therefore, God sees me as loving him above all things and loving my neighbor as myself and says, welcome, eternal life is yours if you believe in Jesus Christ, the one I sent, the Father says. It's through Jesus that you enter into eternal life, not through loving your neighbor, but through, yes, we love our neighbor because of what Jesus did. But Jesus makes it possible for you and me to get into heaven. He paid the price, the whole price, for you to live in heaven, for me to live in heaven. So yes, I will inherit eternal life. Yes, you will inherit eternal life through Jesus Christ. Eternal life is yours. You will live to be with Jesus in heaven because of what he did for you. He paid for your sins on the cross. He paid for your failure to love your neighbor. He paid for your failure to love God above all things. He did it for you out of love, pure love. He is a real, present God. And you know, when we have God in us, our lives are different. We're different than the world out there. We're different than the people who do not know Jesus or do not follow Jesus. It's coming through so good, so wonderful at the youth gathering. Reading some of the things on Facebook have been interesting and on some of the blogs that they have. The adult leaders that are there have said, wow, they're seeing the impression. See, there's never been a big youth gathering in Minneapolis before. They've been to other cities, but never to Minneapolis. And so they, Minneapolis didn't know what to expect. What are 22,000 people going to do? And usually most of them are rowdy and cause trouble and destruction. And so the hotel personnel have been telling the adult leaders, who are you people anyway? You're too nice. <laughs> They're amazed at how nice the kids are, how behaved they are, and not complaining and, and causing problems. The security personnel at the football stadium where the Vikings play, go to check them in every night, say, who are you people? My goodness, we, we enjoy working here for a change. And then another chaperone said, I had another person, we're just talking to some police officers, and they said, our group has been a breath of fresh air as compared to others that come here. That shows something about how Christians are different. How 22,000 people in Minneapolis are making a difference this week. Showing the love of Christ. Being good to their neighbor. Treating people well. That's what Christians do. And that's what Jesus says. Go and do likewise. Go and do as have compassion on people and love them as I have loved you. As a good Samaritan reach out, reached out and loved the man on the road who was beaten and dying. A real present God changes us. Who changes you and me. And out of love for him, out of love for him by what he's done, paid the price, makes it possible for us to inherit eternal life, truly, we can go and do likewise, right? You can share shalom with the people you come in contact with. It doesn't mean you have to run somewhere else and go someplace else to do it. Do it with the people you're going to meet this week. Give them a smile, a greeting. If they need help, reach out to them. Help them. Encourage them. Give them shalom, your blessing. 
These are the people we have to make a difference. The people around us, our neighbor. Who counts the one who shows mercy as the lawyer himself answered. And the ultimate one who shows mercy is Jesus. What mercy you and I experience in Jesus Christ, the ultimate good Samaritan. He is the real, present God. Go and do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen.